0: This episode is made possible in part by Donate Pizza, where dough does good. Um, I recently had an episode with Angelo Corso, and he's been partnering with at least 50 pizzerias in the city. And collectively, he and his volunteers are able to donate pizzas, quality pizzas, some of them are even gluten-free and vegan, to the homeless shelters in Chicago. If you're interested in donating or volunteering your time, please check them out at DonatePizza.com. That's D-O-U-G-H-N-A-T-E-Pizza.com. Cheers. I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects life's too short to not produce meaningful work join me victor chan as we deep dive within various industries i'd love to hear your feedback so feel free to leave a comment i hope you find some value within these conversations but more importantly i hope it sparks a meaning within your own space our next guest stops by all the way from canada She's cultivated a passion for writing and has recently stepped away from being a course editor for a university to freelance full-time. She also shares a bit about what life was like living with a parent who was dealing with mental health issues. She's the host of the Finding 50 podcast and reflects on the life lessons and experiences up until this point. Please enjoy my conversation with Carolyn Hawes. It's uh it's very rare. I you're probably the third person to to come in that isn't local to Chicago, I guess.
1: I was thinking about that <laughs> when I when I was watching all your episodes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cuz I don't do if I did, I would I don't do remote, but it, I would try Riverside. I've never tried Riverside. I don't I don't do Zoom right. interviews. I I think I like having the control of the audio and the video, and uh, but then the pros of doing remote is everything's kind of automated, and
1: right, you can
0: have software kind of cut it up for you and even transcribe captions. I I love
1: though when I'm watching your podcast. I love the intimacy, like the connection of having people in the same space. Mm -hmm. There's something that makes it completely different in Mm. what you're connecting to when you're watching it, and I like that.
0: Yeah, there's just just something about the
1: energy, like when you're not in the same. You know, even though you can still see each other when you're doing the remote, when you're doing the remote podcast, there's something about being in the same, the space of the same energy of somebody that really, I think, filters through to the audience. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I love that part of it. Yeah.
0: Um, to give, so Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. To give people context, um, can you share kind of, if, if it was one or two posts or s- what part of the podcast that kind of pulled you in?
1: When I was watching your podcast,
0: yeah like how did you how did you come into our purview
1: when i was I was on Instagram, okay, and I saw um a clip that had gone it was going viral, yeah you were starting to get like so um and i was and I was watching it, and I thought, wow like like I love the intimacy that you're creating, I love the connection to the to the guests that you're creating, mm. and just just how the just how it looked like visually like not even to the other senses you know the audio and everything but just visually how you said it Mm. I thought it was very cool um thank you yeah well it was it's obvious that you you give an ease to people you bring an ease to people and that comes through um with all of the different people that you are interviewing when you're when you're when you're vast in who you're, when your guests are vast yeah. in their backgrounds and in their, you know, where they're, what they're doing, where they're from mm. and all of their beliefs and everything, um, the one thing that's constant is the energy that you're creating mm. and the place for them to just, to just express themselves and to speak and to, Feel free to just sort of open up with you, yeah. even on emotional levels. So
0: it's been hard. Uh, well, in the beginning, it, I I understand that that concept now, but in the beginning, people tell you to niche down and, and tr- try to find a specific area to focus on and right. um, find you know think about your target demographic for your audience and. Right. Um, but that being said, like, it was for a while hard to figure out what the common thread between every episode was. And and I told you prior to recording, it's like, I think I'm slowly starting to realize or desire uh, to just have a, a genuinely open and authentic conversation without trying to extract some type of 30-second Instagrammable clip. Right. Um right. Because one, it's exhausting. And two, it kind of like strays from your natural curiosity. And um, it it is a balance, a fine dance between allowing you to have tangential thoughts and allow the conversation to go in any direction versus as the host trying to like rope someone back in just ever just slightly um, to like have a common thread through each episode as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely, and you know it too as a, as your own host. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I'm certainly not as experienced as you are. I'm just starting out, but I can absolutely. I'm at the stage where I can absolutely appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, what you're managing in, in, as part of conversations and what and think, you're doing. I think
0: that's the key word is through meaningful conversations, you gain an appreciation for whoever you're conversing with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I think we're we've been lacking that um, yeah. as a society as a community and i think everyone's on edge and i think if we spent the time to have more intimate meaningful conversations um even if you feel like initially you were on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as understanding and background um you might find some middle ground or at least come to a position where like you understand why they're doing what they're doing or how they think why they think
1: Absolutely, I think, and when you're talking about finding that niche and the the uh, pressure of, you know, initially when you're starting out, feeling yeah. like you had to have something specific mm-hmm. that you're the common, very very specific common thread that thread of of the interviews. I think you have found it. I think what it is is humanness. Mm. We, you know, we have we have that essential humanness that we connect to with other human beings, mm-hmm. and. It's not, always a, it's not always something that is within everybody, but you obviously have it, where you just naturally connect to the humanness in people, and that, that bridges instantly when you do that. Mm. And so I think that's the common thread. It's like, we have, and it's it showing people through your podcast, we have all of these Crazy, you know, histories and we have all these crazy stories and we have all these different challenges in our lives and we have all these, everybody has their own anxieties and their fears and all that mm-hmm. stuff that they bring to it. And within all of that, we are very, very similar within the humanness mm. of how we make those decisions, mm-hmm. you know, and the fears we have in the fears that we have to face and moving past them. And then in, in, in the emotions that we are challenged by and the emotions that we, yeah. you know, celebrate with, but we are all human in those aspects. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, so I, I commend you for
0: oh, thank doing you. what you do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a joy. It's been a joy to do. And I hope everyone who wishes to have you know, meaningful conversations in their own lives. Like the first couple episodes started with just two of my cell phones an older cell phone that ended up being on the table, being an audio recorder, and then another cell phone yeah. being the video recorder. Um, and even if you it, you never put it out in the public, it's um, it's kind of a marker to see how much you've grown since mm-hmm. that time you've recorded.
1: And do you find that like with me? I know that one of my fears is not being perfect at something and Mm -hmm. then feeling like oh like so then it's not good enough do you not do you
0: even start then
1: well that's my fear Mm. and I think in my past you know when I was a lot younger and um I probably didn't like I probably like just kind of you know and I've always wanted to do that but I don't feel confident enough to do it or but in your example it's just like and that's what I'm Really trying even, to get to it, my age and everything. Even that's now,
0: happened. it's like, it, do you ever do you feel like it's ever too late to start?
1: No, and that's what I've recognized. That's why I've come to this place in my life where, you know, I I quit my nine to five job um, for so many reasons. I mean, it, it was an age related thing. In that age related, in that it's experience related and mm-hmm. it's how I've grown and who I've become. Um, but you know, for me. I was an editor at a university, and so a very secure position. And what does that
0: mean? For like the paper of the university? or No,
1: it was actually for courses. So oh. I edited courses with the instructional designers and the subject matter experts. I didn't experts. know that's a role. Yeah. Was that fun
0: at the time? You know,
1: like Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. It's like up there with accounting, maybe, when people say, I, was, I read and correct punctuation for a living.
0: um but but you probably got some insight into like what the university offered and you're like well if i could do it all over again i mean if i had some free time i would probably dabble in these courses yeah
1: exactly well it was really fascinating because i mean you're reading copious amounts of of course content Mm -hmm. from everything from math biology to social sciences and and, you know psychology and everything and and you're you know formatting and correcting and making sure that certain standards are set and going through all the copyright info and so right. it's it's very you know there are a lot of levels of different different types of editing that you're doing um uh so yeah I forgot what the question was but it's it's yeah it's rewarding because what I am by nature is a writer mm. and so I think when when you love to do something that's art art based it's not as easy to, especially, you know, 30 years ago when I was getting out of university, it's not as easy to just, okay, I'm just going to get that job. I'm going to apply for it and get it. It's more, you know, the arts are more things that are related to venturing on your own. And so um, editing is sort of akin to the whole writing thing. You know, I really sharpened skills by being an editor. I sharpened skills, writing skills, and yeah, so...
0: So at, at what age did you feel like writing was your thing?
1: Oh, as as far back as I can remember. Mm. Like even as a very young child, it uh, it gave me the space to really go inward and get lost in something else other than the world around me. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that becomes the therapeutic part of what you love, the bliss part of what you love. Um, I remember as a very young child, just like, having notebooks all around my bedroom and one I would put little song things if I thought of like a little song out of my head I'm going and then I put words to it and then I'd write it all down of course you know two hours later I'd forget what the melody was because it's all in my head and I was little and then other things would be stories and I'd have a little book for little stories that I started writing and thought of and as it graduated and as I was doing writing at home I found like I had two young children and um, two I have two girls Mm. and uh, when when they were very young you know I would I would be sitting at a computer all through the night because I was with them during the day and um keeping me very busy and uh I I wrote um screenplays Mm. so um
0: what kind of shows
1: well, or movies? Okay, so my dream job—that's <laughs> job? striking right now. Yeah, <laughs> my dream job is to be a, a writer on a team for a sitcom.
0: Oh, okay, awesome.
1: Yeah, there's still time, right? Are
0: there are there some sitcoms that stuck out, or stick out
1: um, that inspired me, like ones that are like yeah, close or have... to the ones I've written? Because I I have one, and I have a pilot sure. and a bunch of things, but it's it's yeah, um, I think. Ones that I love to watch that aren't necessarily on anymore, but I grew up with and, you know, was inspired by were like, I love The Office. Mm -hmm. The Office was one of them. If we want to go all the way back to ones that I appreciate when I was really little, um, even though they were also reruns at the time. Um I think All in the Family was the best.
0: I've not heard of that one.
1: Ever. written. No. Come on. Come I'll, on. I'll look it up. Okay, you have to. All in the Family. Um Carol O'Connor. Okay. Um yeah, it was one of the best written. It was um groundbreaking for a lot of reasons. They hit a lot of issues. They was funny, but then it hit a lot of issues that at the time um racism and segregation and all kinds of issues that, you know, it was really uh um, they were very brave to, think to do all of that.
0: At the moment, I'm seeing a lot of comments about certain shows maybe being too, for lack of a better term, like woke. So like where it it's like it can be tasteful, but other times it can in in movies too, like or it can feel forced. Yeah. Um, so it's like striking a, a balance of like trying to t- like obviously stay on what feels right to you yeah. um, on that side, but uh, without. Ha- overtly having an agenda.
1: Yeah, like all in the family would never be allowed to be on TV today. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and they were hitting the issues hard. Oh, okay. You know, um, but Norman Lear, was the writer? Okay. I think he was the director, producer. Um, so you know, it has to be good when Norman Lear is involved mm. in something. But um, yeah, so those were the progressions of I. I started to really appreciate what went into the characters when you're watching these shows. Like, even if it's a comedy, which I I love that short, short version, shortcut sure. comedy version of things. Um, you have to have a real connection to the character, mm. and I think as a writer and being understanding of those who are going to be watching the show, the viewers that are consuming the show, yeah. I think that's what connects everybody to things is when they understand that you're writing in a way that um, isn't insulting to those who are watching it because you are connecting to, you're, you're letting the heart sort of shine through of the so characters. Like and a reflection make, making them, yeah you, yeah, you write it in a way that's real. You know.
0: So, as a writer, do you feel like you have to experience high highs and low lows in order to draw from experiences?
1: Um, I don't think so. For me, um, I think for me, what I love about writing, as far as how I'm, how my personality would be naturally connected to my ability to do that, would be that I tend to have a highly sensitive personality, mm-hmm. and. Within that, I think we have we those who are similar. I think we go through life sort of just always observing everybody.
0: Okay, so it doesn't have to be personal, but it can be people around you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and sometimes it's not to our benefit. Mm. I mean, you can be moving through life and always like, oh, if there's tension in the room, I've got to sort of make everybody feel better. Sure. You know? It's yeah. a bit of a god complex because we don't have that ability really to do that. But it's just this fear that. It, you know, we gotta make sure that everybody's okay or we don't want any conflict or right, you don't want right. you don't like to see people upset or you go through life that way. So however, on the other side of that, you know, I think the skill that it brings me as a writer is the intu- intuition about character, the nonverbal communication that mm. you sense when you're writing a character, you know, and you're writing in all of that too, which is a whole other level of writing, um, because the the viewers are connecting to that like if everybody that you write is very um basic and the words are the only thing that are projecting the the communication then you're not connecting on a human level because that's not how we that's not how we communicate. Right. So much of what we communicate is nonverbal and so you're just leveling in all these things that I think for me was very I was very attuned to, mm. you know, all through my life because I was always very Anxious and shy mm-hmm. and aware of how people were feeling and those things. So,
0: so with that, uh, you, you are a great writer. I read your, the blog post that you shared uh, with Thank me. Uh, in May. My father's daughter. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if I know anyone um, that has had that experience of like growing with a parent who has experienced schizophrenia. Yeah. Coming from a healthcare provider, I've been around schizophrenics. Yeah. And, and even that, it's like, you still do your best to treat them as a human being, Absolutely. and they're not defined by their diagnosis. Right. And even after the diagnosis, there's a wide spectrum of severity with that diagnosis. Absolutely. Some, there are many schizophrenics that have a fully functional life, mm-hmm. um, whereas others need a, a group home or more of a support system around them. Absolutely but i've never really had to uh, had the chance to hear what it was like a, a personal account of like what it was like to be a long-term kind of support system and it can it can even it seems like you became more of a support system more than a support system in the sense of like a care an emotional caretaker to then yeah. maybe a physical caretaker yeah so cuz as as a healthcare as an EMT yeah. you're with someone for maybe a couple hours right and right. and you don't really get a first hand insight mm-hmm. into uh, a long-term approach to living with someone with schizophrenia exactly yeah if you don't mind like what was that yeah. what was that um like growing up
1: yeah and i think you've you've um summarized that really beautifully i think that the other thing is you're probably seeing somebody when they're having a psychotic break too so it might not be it might be their extreme yeah. the extreme of right. how that person is and not at their everyday living um because you're there when they really are having, you know, uh, yep. a <laughs> functioning malfunction. Functioning um, malfunction. So my my dad wasn't diagnosed until, um, I guess he would be in his mid-60s. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So how was childhood before that? How was growing up before
1: So that? it was crazy. Okay. Yeah. It was, um, it, it was, it was, and of course, you know, I say that in, looking back because yeah. now I have a perspective of yeah what you know calmness is and a perspective of sort of um I don't like to say normal because I'm who's normal but normalcy in life can yeah. be and especially being a parent now of my own children I have an understanding of things differently and I look back but when I was a child um I just knew that, especially being very sensitive, and I don't know what came first, you know, the chicken or the egg, did it create me to be highly sensitive or, you know, my environment, or was I predisposed to that, you know, also genetically or both? But, you know, you're always on pins and needles. Mm. You're always in fight or flight. You're very aware that the environment around you that is supposed to make you feel calm and safe yeah. you know being the one of your parentage and um with my dad at least you know there was always that chance that something would just suddenly change yeah. in, in our space and and it wouldn't feel settled anymore and it wouldn't feel safe and it was never unsafe on a physical level I mean my dad was never physically abusive um and that wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with the schizophrenia anyway but um it was just emotionally really difficult, um, mood-wise, and changes. And I think when when I was a child, um, my mom certainly, you know, was a staple in in giving us that sense of balance yeah. um, between the two. But. I guess once I started to be old enough to go to friends' houses mm. and experience their family life right. and kind of have a sense of how their dads behaved and and I really I really then started to understand that it just was a little bit off like there was something that wasn't quite the same
0: Was it always there or do you feel like was the onset like at a certain point
1: So as far as we understand from schizophrenia and from the later um, analysis of my dad with his psychiatrist it it, it generally starts in late teens, early 20s mm. and it's um, the propensity it's a higher um, it's higher for males to mm-hmm. have schizophrenia. So um, I believe that my experience with him was always like as I got older and as he got older I he he started to, Act out more. Mm. I think one thing for my dad was that, I mean, he had to be pretty brilliant in a lot of ways to to have, you know, a a job, a very responsible job. Yeah, what did he do? He was um, an accountant by trade, see, accountant, editor, right? Um, He was an accountant by trade, um, but he ended up managing... Um, doing management work for in a big engineering company mm. and traveled to different countries and managed the oh, wow. you know the the sites um, all the time while he was that ill you know um and and so he knew how to he i think from a young age he started to know that okay, people are responding to me a certain way, so maybe those characteristics of his schiz of his schizophrenia or schizoid part of his personality yeah. he would try not to talk about like try not to talk about voices you would hear or try not sure. to talk about because not ne- not because he didn't believe that they were happening but because that he he was aware of the response he would get so he would quickly change the subject and try to you know manage and live like we all do but he
0: had an idea that there were voices that were in his head that yeah. were coming from his, in his head and they were no. just he didn't have
1: I think he believed that they, they were, were real. real yeah okay yeah There was never a doubt with my dad. Um, As his illness progressed and he aged, and then once dementia started to set in, which is also correlated to, you know, schizophrenia in its later stages, um, he became less able to control what he was sort of pushing down and keeping for other people not to see. And so um, I was... I was a child who went through life um, where I would see him sort of behave a certain way when we'd be out with friends and see him. And then, of course, when you're at home and you don't feel sort of the pressures of that, you have a bit of a different side of you. Hmm. And I think he always tried his... He always tried his best he could to function. He always yeah. tried his best within his capacity to show us love and to show us... but. You know, it's such a, it's a serious illness. And um, that's an interesting, that's a, almost, that's a, it's a realizing how difficult the question it is because I don't really know what normal was at the time, you know?
0: Well, normal's different for different people. Normal's different for different people,
1: yeah. But I, I certainly didn't understand that he was schizophrenic when I was young until it was, I was much later that that was Have you had
0: conversations with your mom about it?
1: Yeah. So they split up. Oh. when i was in my early teens oh, okay. and a lot of it had to do with just just the behaviors that were happening you know it was just was it, it was crazy making
0: spending time 50/50 with both parents
1: it was mostly with my mom oh, okay. my dad was getting was getting jobs elsewhere and so okay. he would go and which which was just as well i you know i think even though to his dying days he would never have acknowledged it had schizophrenia so it, yeah okay never did he get to a point he he was indignant in and in saying that you know there's nothing wrong with me these are all real um and so um there was never a time through life where he willingly went for any kind of treatment or did anything to try and
0: but, and, but you started find. having these conversations with other family members of like, yeah. if we could, we would put him in, we would try to find him yeah, to help. Yeah,
1: because it started to get unsafe after okay. a while. Um, in
0: in how? Like he would wander away or?
1: Yeah. So as my dad got older, um, and so this is carrying on to when I have two young children and I'm now an adult who's recognizing like oh, this isn't okay anymore. Yeah. You know, I and I'm protective of my my girls from seeing their grandpa that way or having him having him have sort of these breaks and saying things that are are kinda wacky, you know, to sure. my kids. He would have the typical olfactory hallucinations that he would smell schizophrenics things? have, yeah. Oh, I don't think I knew good that. and evil. Yeah. What do you mean good and evil? Yeah. So um, There were certain smells that he uh, would say that were were spirits that were good spirits, and he would name them. And then he would smell things, and he would say, oh, that's an evil spirit. And he would identify that they were near him or that they were talking to him because of these olfactory hallucinations. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's certain, as I've learned, there are certain parallels, which are olfactory hallucinations, which are one of them, um, as well as, like, the sort of, uh, the polarized good versus evil, you know? So, and and it's interesting, because it, it sort of, you know, you look across cultures and across beliefs, and I'm not religious, but, you know, religious beliefs, and um, it's so... Similar, no matter yeah. what a person's background is, they're, they're very, you know,
0: the duality, the duality, or, yeah. the
1: duality is yeah. just so the brain is fascinating, yeah. yeah. So, um, there are a lot of things that I became very aware of, and as an adult, started to be just, you know, dad, you got to get help, we got to get help, or something. Yeah. And he always refused it.
0: That's probably one of the most. Uh, as a teacher, I've come to terms with it, like wanting, like for someone to become better, but they don't want it as much as you want it. Mm. Um, They have to want it, right? Um, And uh, it's a lot harder with loved ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, um, and especially with kids, uh, you know, you want, you want them to experience what a grandparent can be. And, 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 um, it's sad it's, yeah. it's unfortunate and uh, especially if like safety comes into Absolutely. it it's like oh yeah. that's number one
1: at least their mental health safety yeah, yeah. yeah I, it was very it was a lot of I started to grieve earlier in mm. the process than when he passed and I really think that this is very true what you said I think that um, for me the grief period started quite a bit when I realized what my girls were seeing mm. and I was like that oh, was me you know you put yourself there and you start to connect to the you as a as a little as a child mm-hmm. and um and i was like wow i had i had to deal with that like i had to see that behavior i had to not feel safe around my dad you know and all these things that you start to you start to heal for that child that's in there when you can relate to it as the parent looking at your own children something right. that i'd never done until that time
0: yeah. in
1: my life it was really interesting but you do and you grieve for you grieve for the grandpa that they don't get to experience you know right. you, you grieve for the dad that you never got to experience because under that yeah. illness was an awesome human being mm. you know i mean i have a brother and you know, we're pretty awesome. (laughs) So genetically, we got half of something pretty good. Um, You know, so the biggest part of it for me, I realized beyond the anger and beyond the sadness of who I would never get to really see, you know, and have in my life, um, was the guilt that I could never save him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that went beyond his death. Uh, I realized after he passed that I'd been through, you know, the, uh, the the relief, I guess, of the energy that I never realized how much stress I'd carried and how much okay. energy it took, wondering you know if my dad was okay and wondering if he had you know wandered off and gotten lost, or wondered if he'd created a scene somewhere because then you're still protective of the human being that you love, and you don't want people to to make fun of them or to you know you yeah. just care about them so much and at the same time, it wasn't like I said until after he passed that I was still dealing with something really heavy and i didn't realize what it was i feel like my emotions had flatlined for a while and i finally got to a point where i like unearthed that layer and realized that it was actually grief grief and feeling the grief well grief in the guilt of feeling that i couldn't save them and i think that is one of the things that we realize that when children have parents who could do anything, parents could do anything horrific to a child, and they'll still love their parents, and they still want to try and help them and save them and do all of these things, especially just from the, when they're a child, even if they're being abused physically, and they yeah. just still protect their parents. And um, As an adult, you get to a place, too, where you just think that you have to make life better if you just behave better, if you just do something better, or yeah. if I could get him help, or if I could, you know, all that. What stuff.
0: would what would saving him have looked like?
1: Yeah, that's the thing I had to come to terms with. It maybe maybe it would have been having him acknowledge the fact that he needed help. Okay. And maybe getting help for it. One of the things, or maybe just acknowledging that I couldn't. Right?
0: Okay.
1: I think I think the biggest the biggest learning for me, the biggest epiphany, the biggest was getting to a place in my life where I just allowed myself to recognize that maybe I just couldn't have saved him. Yeah, because I could torment myself with all kinds of things, you know, to try and the, yeah think that he could have had a better life, or I could have helped him to have more happiness, or I could have helped him with his illness, which we didn't even have a name for at the time because he'd never right. been diagnosed. Um, but that's kind of crazy making too, and that's that's imposing a lot of punishment on yourself. I think. Yeah, it the it uh,
0: the theme kind of parallels another thing you mentioned in the blog post of um. Becoming this person that is seeking approval, um, mm-hmm. and that kind of carries over and spills over into other relationships that you end up having. Absolutely. Um, and that's something I, I have come to terms with myself of like growing up not not obtaining or or getting validation or attention. I don't know if I don't know if it's like acceptance or attention um, that I was wanting, but I know right now like like I would love to have some type of. Friendship with my parents. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because they didn't show as much acceptance or simply mm-hmm. attention uh, in the form that I needed it. It, it. Does that mean they don't love me? No, they just have different languages of showing love. Yeah. Um, but in the way I guess I was wanting it was maybe words of affirmation or quality right. time. And uh, by me saying I would love to have some type of friendship with them, I think that's what I'm really asking for. Yeah. So, how have you noticed those themes kind of spill over into your, your life, like in other aspects of your yeah, relationships?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. They were very definite themes. I think themes that thankfully now I've grown through and learned from and shifted, shifted out of, um, but recognizing that relationships that I would choose, you know, um, even just friendships, Mm. Friendship relationships, I would choose you. You, I would find myself like staying in things that were unhealthy um, or not kind because I guess you're still trying to to win that to to win that from somebody. Like you're, yeah. you're still in that. It's habitual. It's habitual to be um is
0: there is there a part of you that feels like you're fixing something or saving them absolutely Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely um and if if they if they can just see it if they if you can just like help them to understand that they're they're not being kind or that they're abusive or that they're whatever that they'll stop doing it you know and they'll and it was just my need. Like, it's just a very, mm. it's a very ego-based need, but you don't realize it at the time, right? Because it's, it was just the habit of where I felt safe. I felt safe in what I knew. Vying and what I, people's attention? What I knew is always trying to make it okay. Mm. So that even if I'm being treated badly, then I can try to somehow make it better. Make it flow okay. Make them feel better. Make them i guess I guess what the bottom line is is I put up with a lot of shit that today I would just be like well that's not that's not how I live, and so you know, see you later, yeah, but at the time it was my need to fix things, fix you know quote sure. unquote, but whatever that means, I don't know yeah, I'm it's sure, a really layered sure. weird thing, isn't it yeah, it's like, like
0: the, another like kind of parallel to it is like narratives and like what people tell themselves to yeah. make sense of the world and exactly it's It's okay to be a victim, but like, how long do you stick and subscribe to the victim mentality before you realize all your friends that were trying to help you are gone, and you're the only one that's going to save you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I guess I've, I've never done therapy, but from what I've heard, they don't really give you the answers. They kind of just comment on certain things as you're reflecting, and they help... I don't think they're trying to steer the conversation, but they help you arrive at your own conclusion.
1: I think I think that's probably right. I think that it, it's um, allowing people to come to the understanding on their own makes it sit deeper within them. You know, if you're just yeah. it, with anything, if you're just told something, even learning in school, if we're just told to memorize something, but if we're actually experiencing it and like it's, oh, okay, I get it and it makes sense right. on a deeper level. And so... Um, certainly that's the journey that i took somehow through life you know you you begin to realize that there's nothing heroic about being a martyr Mm. you know we we sign up for things sometimes because that's all we've known um but there was nothing heroic at all about Feeling like I was martyring myself to these relationships where I thought that I could make them better somehow, because really it's just it was just an internal ego need or ego need that that that, I had.
0: What cost? What what was it costing you?
1: It was costing so much. It was costing my self esteem. Mm. You know, it was costing because of course you never. That's that's a puzzle you never solve, Mm. and nor is it our is it our job to do so. You Mm. know, it's not our job it's not our job to fix everybody the way we think that that's so arrogant in a lot of ways. Cause what the hell, maybe they love being the way they are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, they want to be an asshole. Let them be an asshole. You yeah. Know? Right, like, right, right. Who am I to say that they, you know, it's just, it was just so layered in my, yeah, my it. history when I was a kid and how I functioned with people. Yeah. You know? And, um, especially males. So mm. I, I, I got through that and I started to realize when I think a big shift like I said was when I had my own children Mm. and I realized that it's not just what I say to them as a woman but I am modeling all these behaviors to these little girls so I better damn well love myself so that I can show them how to love themselves because you know me just having that as as a as a word from my mouth means nothing if they're not seeing me have boundaries and have healthy relationships and expect and demand happiness and joy in my life and, um, be able to articulate and use my voice in a way to, um, create the world and life that I want to have. If I'm not doing that in an active way for myself, then I am teaching them nothing for what love they're going to find for themselves in their own lives, so... Yeah. That was a biggie for me. Mm. Yeah, so they've they've saved me in a lot of ways too. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I I feel like a lot of parents fall into the trap of living vicariously through their kids too, and they mm-hmm. they still loot like they they associate their identity yeah. with their kids.
1: Yeah, and and in that example, it's almost like the realization of the opposite for me. Mm. Like, you know they got to see me doing it. Yeah. They got to see yeah. me living my best yeah. life. They right. have to see me, you know, having the standards of, of, um, goodness and kindness and expecting it back from, for me as much right. as I, as much as I give it out. And, and so, yeah, no, I want them to live vicariously through their mom. <laughs> so <that> they, <laughs> so they can learn it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah. that's healthy.
0: Um, so, that being said, when your dad passed, um, did you, it was, I'm sure, was it like bittersweet? Like, did you feel weight lifted off at all?
1: I did, and it's, yeah, you know, it's a weird thing. Because I think, you know, if I'm being very, very honest to myself, I I wished him dead a lot of the time.
0: Well, it's, it's also knowing that you did everything you could. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and it's just... It's just dealing with that constant agony of um you know, loving somebody, but the way they're speaking to you and this and the stress that they're creating in your life is hellish and you're just like, but he won't let me help him. But then when when he was going when finally um my brother and I, my brother had commented ship over my dad. Um we we got to that stage where mentally um, we knew that he wasn't able to make decisions or take care of himself anymore. And at the same time, sort of in tandem, was the diagnosis. Mm. One thing in his diagnosis that we found out was that he had a a rarer form of schizophrenia, which was um, um, untreatable. It was treatment-resistant schizophrenia. So... That probably would have been a barrier throughout, you know, if if he'd gotten... I think if he'd gotten some sort of earlier intervention, it would have been awesome, obviously. But not just because of the intervention itself, but because it would mean that my dad would have recognized and acknowledged that he needed help. Or that there was something that he needed help with. Um, So... Uh, I
0: told totally there's and I there's going. layers to that. I mean yeah. that that's uh the whole stigma around mental health. That's a generational oh. thing and I think over time the more people I talk to like recently like even in their 30s are are in and out of therapy so yeah. um, I think it's becoming normalized more Thankfully. and more so so hopefully like as the generations progress um, yeah. it's as common as like a primary care physician. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean some people have you know, you, if you're, you are have diabetes or if you have anything, yeah. like any issue that you just have to manage in your life because right. that's part of who you are. It's the same thing with somebody who has to have, you know, um, chronic depression um, or, you know, we're just it's, just, it's just our physiology. It's our brains right. and it's how things are, yeah.
0: So I want to hear how you've kind of left your 9 to 5 and kind of like, Dove into entrepreneurship and what that experience has been like for you.
1: I had made a decision as I um, got closer to my fifties yeah. that I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to go through the rest of my life never endeavoring to feel you know do what I wanted to to explore my creative bliss being an
0: editor wasn't wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) you know and and some some people some people just live with that some people live with the fact that I'm just going to be this for the rest of my life I'm going to retire and enjoy my retirement
1: yeah yeah which but you said too.
0: no. You're like you put your foot down. You're like said, actually, no. I'm good. I'm gonna yeah. do. I'm gonna try something different.
1: I did, and so a lot of factors came together for me. I think that I reached an age where um, I actually saw a little reel or something on social media, and I thought it was funny. There were these ladies being interviewed, and they said they were all in their 50s plus, and they said, "So when did you realize you didn't give a fuck?" <laughs> and and so you don't know how these how these women are going to respond, you know, and so you get them like. I love that question you know that's an excellent <laughs> question like they really got into it right they weren't they weren't shocked by it at all it's like yeah I realized that when I reached my 50s mm. so I started to too and some of the things that sort of closed in around me as realities were when people that you care about in your life pass Um, and I think you, you had posted something and made a comment and I loved what you said to me. Like I'd said something about, that was a sad, um, a sad post. It was about a a friend saying goodbye to their best friend in the hospital bed. Okay. And, and you said that I think when I think of grief, it, I, I feel that there's a gift attached to it. Like there's a, it's a present, there's something that's, and, and That is how I feel about it, too. When I think about those who pass, I think, especially those who I knew closely and I loved, they give me the gift of knowing that life is short. Yeah. And when my dad passed, I certainly realized that, you know, life just the next day carried on. Everybody got in their cars and went to work and just had their own, own thing going on, and nothing was different the next day. You know, and nothing's going to be fucking different when I die. No,
0: nah. <laughs> it's a blip.
1: It's a hard thing to break a, to somebody. It's a blip. This, this is why but, we're recording. You're, you're insignificant, so man. You're, you're,
0: you'll at least have a YouTube video, <laughs> exactly uh, of you,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So nothing, you know, and there's there's something liberating about that. It's like exciting. It's like you are so right. Like I am fucking insignificant. So why not embrace it? And start to really reflect on the things that stop me from embracing it. Because the fears that I have are up here. Mm. You know, the the no's that I'm carrying about doing things are just up here. The things that, the tangible things that we think are the logistics to coming to that point, which was yeah. the original question of where, what made me just kind of do that, is that it seemed like more of a burden to bear never having experienced it in my life. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship or... Exploring things that I wanted to explore creatively,
0: could you not do both at the same time? No, no bandwidth for that no okay
1: i did for i did always for a lot of years, like but i couldn't I couldn't do it fully mm. and um you know you have to pay the bills you're you know you're you have to pay your mortgage, you got to have a place a roof over your kid's head, and you got to do all these things and different different decisions have to be made because they just you need to have the security kudos of it. to
0: that because like you usually kids become an excuse for not taking the leap right um i think most people like in your 20s like fuck up left and right and you can still start over even in your 30s like still fuck up and and you're still you got plenty of time to go um and i think there are more and more excuses the older you get Mm -hmm. so to start taking the plunge now it's like more power yeah,
1: to I think it can go both ways. I think you can get to a place in life where you just feel a little more fearless because you're like, mm. okay, if I have forty years left to go, yeah, then let's make them good, yeah, right. But sometimes it takes people to a place where it, that's all they've known, and mm. so the fear of changing out of that area of sure. comfort becomes even greater because they have now, you know, thirty years of being in the same yeah. company, and that just seems terrifying to them. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think. Uh, Some people call them golden handcuffs when, like, the benefits are so nice. Yeah,
1: and then you hear so many of those people who are handcuffed with those golden cuffs who die the day after they retire, right? Because, like, that's just when that's—it's a scary thing to leap from something that you know, and when you feel like that's your identity, right? When you're so embedded in what you do, and that's like that becomes your identity. Um, Yeah, that's a really Probably a terrifying thing for people well, to have imagine. When you do
0: retire, it's just like your identity is pulled from you.
1: Absolutely, because they haven't learned who they were along the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I think I think we all take our own risks and we all make our own our own choices in the yeah. path that we take. But I think there is something to be said for not making that your your whole identity. Right. You know, not making that one thing. And knowing that there's so much more inside of you that um, you have to offer and that you can be in touch with. But a lot of the time, too, when people decide that they have to stay in a job for all the reasons that we have to stay in, you know, to get a paycheck, um, they'll push down the things that they really love to do and try to deny them. Because the thought of seeing them, it creates too much anguish and, and, you know, dissonance for them cognitively. yeah. Yeah yeah because yeah, they're like oh, i can't i can't be that you know ski instructor that i've always wanted to be and i can't do be an artist that I always wanted or can't do whatever right so or do whatever I want to do on my own because so let's just push that down and pretend it isn't even there so mm-hmm. now i'm just going to funnel in on what i'm doing and that's just my identity
0: did you receive any encouragement from your partner your kids or friends to make the leap
1: yeah i have I have created um some amazing friendships and I have some very um, beautiful friends who are kindred in in their just like willingness to embrace life and say fuck it let's mm-hmm. just when it when you so-called fail at something you're learning something and you do it differently the next time you know I think it and it so in all of those pressures of doing something on your own, when you want to take a big risk, yeah. I had really fabulous people around me to just be like, do it, you know? And yeah. my girls were that way too. Mm. I think because I tried to instill that in them, like, don't worry, don't sweat it so much. Just like, yeah. you'll move on. There's a mistake that happened. We'll learn. We just, you keep going, man. Like, yeah, life is I, short.
0: I, uh, from time to time, think about this question. I've asked my fiancée Justine this. It's like, I wonder what are some things that we will be hung up with that our kids would want us to learn and and take on. Um, so another example is like, I try to give my parents grace for being who they are and they're true, doing the best with the tool set that they had um, you know, at the time. Yeah. But what if you give your parents another set of tools now it's in their hands and what if they don't choose to utilize those new tools so i wonder if there are any new sets of tools that we like that i would come into purview of and for some reason refuse to use them as i get older i'm I'm, I'm not sure and from what i'm like observing it sounds like you've been radically open-minded um in every possible way uh, moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, think I have um, become that yeah. as time moved, has moved on. I think I realize that um, when I know that my first response to something is no, but it's because I have a lot of anxiety that's connected to it, then I try to, to pause and think about the reason if I'm really benefiting myself by saying no or yeah. if I'm just protecting myself from the anxiety I feel sure. around that answer. Wow. And so I I think for a number of years I've just really tried to be aware and present with how that feeling sits in me and, and try to know the difference between what my intuition is on something, if I'm like, yeah, I'd like to do it, or is it just my fear that's stopping me from doing it? And if I know that there's no scary monster that's going to jump out and get me. And really that no that I want to say is just because of anxiety that I'm feeling and I'm protecting myself from, then maybe I have to face it and say yes. Hmm. So it's fucking terrifying sometimes. (laughs) Like I just shit myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but it, um, it liberated me to then be able to say, yeah, to the next thing. Or maybe the no didn't come in quite so quickly the next time. Mm -hmm. For me, I I have a lot of, I do have generalized anxiety in my family and I do have generalized anxiety. So I realized that um, I have to prove to myself that it's wrong Yeah. so that I know that I'm still good and I'm still safe and I can still do it and that it is going to only keep me from... Being who I want to be sure. if I listen to that voice. And it's just about all of those little steps of proving to myself that I was still alive at the end of the day when I right, faced it. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's been the progression. Have
0: the overall, have the decades gotten better over time?
1: Yeah. 50s, awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Like the, I the, said the, the no fucks fifties. Huh? The no fucks fifties, exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. Fifties, um, awesome. And one of the things that I've tried to create. So we're going back to me just quitting my job this year, and doing that with a lot of thought. It wasn't just like okay, fuck it. And, mm-hmm. You know, I had to make sure I I had you know some things in place that I could still sure. manage and survive. And then just being okay. What do I want to do now? You know, and so, for a while, I just went full on in and I built a website and I started putting my name out there for writing and doing all of the things that professionally I've done for years so as a as a contract writer and a content writer and, and not, an editor, not
0: in the sense- not like motivated not by what it can do for you or the lifestyle it can provide, or not any of that right no like You know, as a copywriter, you can be very remote. You can like live in the van, live live a van life, right? And like just uh, right on the road, Um, right? But you thoroughly like enjoyed writing.
1: I do, (laughs) I do thoroughly enjoy writing. Yeah, I do. But I also enjoy doing a lot of other things, Mm. and so I started with the things that felt like they're a little bit maybe quote unquote safer because that's Mm. what I have a history in, in knowing I can do well. Um, and that's what I, you know started to develop my company based on. And then it progressed into I've done a lot of voicing work in the mm. past, and that's something I thought I would like to do professionally as well. So um, I put some of that into uh, what I could offer. What was your voice? I did a lot of voicing at the university. So um, for the um, uh, marketing, uh, department we had different um, fundraising things or different nas- national um, ads that would go out for yeah. different things at the university and um, different programs that they were offering so uh, yeah they were all different wide scale smaller scale local where would
0: they be produced on like TV social media radio all of it, yeah
1: all of yeah. so some of them were in the hockey uh, That's cool. arena and, some, and on the radio and on social media what's it like
0: hearing yourself like for well, like, the first time you heard yourself, you're like, "That's me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was
1: cool. And the thing that I thought thing that I loved the most was um, was you know the excellent expertise of the uh, of the editor, the video and sure. audio editor who put it all together with music in the background. And when you have the voice yeah. to the narrative, you know, just okay. to. To all of the different scenes and the videos that are flowing with it, and you're just talking over it as the narrator of um, right. that video, and then the music and everything—I mean, anything can sound pretty fucking cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can sound like a rock star and, so, and still, you know, have a voice of Kermit the Frog when somebody does it right. So I was very, I was very, uh, very funny. grateful to them, but it was really cool, and it was just really cool because it's like it was one of those things that I'm like, fuck, I don't feel secure about doing this, yeah. Like who am I to say that so I can do it? Who could am I to you, put up my hand? Could and say, you I'll write do
0: it? write an animated short or like an animated series and voice that? Maybe
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, imma- have have imagine imagine like the...
0: overlapping your skill sets.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I should just like bundle up everything and put it into one project. <laughs> I totally should. That's a good point.
0: So that stuff was safer at the moment. And that makes sense because you had ties to the university. Yeah. So you you continued voice work after you stopped being an editor?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've I've done I've done some more and I've done some more for the university since oh, nice. working there. So as you left on about- great terms. I did. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, never burn your bridges. I'm generally likable. <laughs> <laughs> at least to my face they were, you know, good terms they were, but um yeah, yeah. So it's all been good, and that's. I think that's. But that's what you realize. It's like, I, you know, I can catastrophize anything as as well as anybody could. Like I'm the best at catastrophizing yeah. shit. You yeah. know, you go through your head and you're like, what if this happened? What sure. if this? Happened? And prepare yourself for even the what you'd have to say in a circumstance that isn't even real. Like, right, it's, right. it's really fucked up,
0: yeah. Victor. Like, yeah. but I mean, everyone, go, everyone does that actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To different extremes. But yeah. Yeah yeah and um so it's 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 just about
0: what so what, what was what was after voice uh work
1: the podcast i started to wow. do my podcast yeah so it's early in its inception i have a couple of episodes out now and yeah um share share
0: like the the impetus for it and like where you came up with the title as well as like how you wanted it to be set up like remote or in person like how was that how did all all that come together
1: it was a huge learning curve sure that the um the title of the podcast the name of it is finding 50 yeah and it really just the impetus of it was just that i became fucking old (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you know let's capitalize on on that whole age thing sure um And I realized there was a huge, I mean, of Gen Xers and women Gen Xers and, uh, you know, this this group, age grouping of women who have, you know, the skills, the money, the, you know, we've come a long way, baby. So (laughs) it's the, it's. It's an amazing group of women who are just really viable and they're getting to an age in a space in their life where their children might be grown or they just didn't have children, but they're in a space where they want to explore something new and try something different sure. and, and make a change. Make okay. a change in, in their focus and make life better. Because as I said before, the realization for me was that I am going to die one day. Yeah. And if I'm on the, on the back 40 now, you mm. know, I want to make those great You know, hopefully we live another forty years, or I live another forty years. I'll be freaking old, but that would be great if I did. So let's let's make. And you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So even if it's a week from now, let's let's make that last week pretty damn. How? uh,
0: How? Like, who were your target guests? Like, who who did you plan on talking to?
1: I have. A list of different people that are going to be forthcoming guests. Um, They're women that are in their 50s. They're women who have challenged maybe the status quo on what their life was to look like or what they imposed on themselves for what their life was to look like and have been really courageous in taking some leaps and understanding who they are now and really what they want to do with... With the life they have left. And so within that, I have um, people in medical fields in women's health who are specialists in women's health. I have people who've just completely changed their occupations and gone back to something that they did in their early 20s when life seemed to have no, you know, restrictions attached to it for us. And then it all changed as they went through life and got, you know sort of more standard jobs and had children or whatever that path looked like for them their relationships and then they decided I left something that I absolutely loved and now's my time to experience it so they're going back to it Mm -hmm. it's just it's just so many stories of inspiration so many stories of acknowledging the fear though that's the one thing that I really love about the women who I've been talking to and meeting in in, you know my age group community is that they're so authentic. Yeah. They're so authentic. They've lived through all kinds of shit and everybody has different experiences. But the commonality is that they have learned something. They haven't they haven't declared themselves as being victim to hmm. any of what their experience Would they is. change anything? I don't know. For most most of them I talk to, the common threat is they wouldn't be who they are if they did. Right. You yeah. know? Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't change now sitting here who I am now. It might have been different right. a lot of years ago, but I wouldn't change having the dad that I had. Yeah. Because, you know, the gift that his illness has given me is to give me the opportunity to be who I am now. I had an opportunity to go in a lot of different directions. But if I love who I am, and I'm hoping that I've come to a place in life where I love myself... That how could I deny the experiences that created this person? sure, and so yeah I think I think when you get to a place of that peacefulness and forgiveness and um, you've contemplated all those different things and all the different scenarios that could have happened and what would have happened, but the the final you know the common denominator at the end of it all is that you got you baby Mm -hmm. and I like this chick so you know I'm grateful I'm grateful that that I'm grateful that everything that came before me has helped me to be a better mom has helped me to be a better friend a better partner and all of those things
0: um if let's say let's say someone was in their early 20s and they're like a like a workaholic and they're a career gal and they don't really to them, that, that is all they want, um, and as they approach their mid-30s, they have climbed the ranks of their industry, um, and they don't know how to date, or they haven't had time or made time to cultivate a personal life. Right. Um, if they were seeking advice, like, is, is there... From an old lady, is that what you want to say? <laughs> From someone who's been there, done that, uh, <laughs> what would you share?
1: I would I would probably say that um, if where they're at is where they want to be, then that's great. I would make sure yeah. that the I would make sure that their their angst about it isn't just something that's imposed because people are saying why aren't you dating or people sure. are, or families aren't saying why aren't you married or you know when are you going to have kids. Let's say
0: let's say they realize that they want kids at such a late age though, right? Maybe in their early to mid thirties, and they're like. Times ticking now, right?
1: Well, I, I say eggs can be frozen.
0: <laughs> You're right. Science. There are no science. <laughs> it's just science, baby.
1: Really, that's all it is. Um, yeah, I would then. I would just then remind them that life is expansive, mm. and that choices that we make today don't hold any infinite ties over the choices that we make at any other time in our lives. And to recognize that what they have done to get where they're at right now is powerful and meaningful and to be proud of it.
0: Yeah, not for nothing.
1: It's definitely not for nothing. There was a reason they made those choices. And that just because they also wanted something else to be part of their sort of life, the scene that they have for today... And it isn't um, li- life. Life just doesn't work that way, you know. No. We have all these layers to the things that we're going to flow through, and and that there's still a whole lot of life ahead of them to make that happen. So yeah. Yeah.
0: What uh? What are you gonna do when you turn sixty?
1: <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> are you, are you know changing the do name of the tomorrow, podcast? What are we? i like, what the hell? <laughs>
0: What, listen, I don't it's even like remember this the, morning. What <laughs> are you talking about? Like the title of the show. Like it's, kinda, I, know, it's I Actually, it, what, that's what, what, funny no, it's that, like, that
1: you say that. That is so funny that you say that. Because I was like,
0: because it, it, it can't if, be finding it, sixty. It, that's like. Uh, it does fly by. Um, and yeah. You're going to be doing this for ten years, and and uh, you're like, the show can't maybe. be called Finding Fifty anymore.
1: Maybe, or maybe somebody will like ask me to be the team on the team sitcom. Yeah, the Team Sitcom. I'm going to be the writer on the Team Sitcom. Um Yeah, so I was I'm going to have to run the by you because I have to like, you know, do the same first letter thing. So, I don't know, sexy 60s, right? <laughs> I found my 50s. So, what comes after that? Yeah. I I I am so embedded now in the understanding that I am doing what I love for this moment and today, and who the fuck knows what it might be tomorrow, but if it's going to be anything, it'll either be just as amazing or better. Yeah. Because if I'm making a choice to try something else and to make a change and to follow whatever doors open up for me when they do and have the courage to step through them and not just look at them yeah. and to wait till they close in front of me, then... Then, you know, the universe has to reward you for some of that stuff,
0: mm, right? Like, I think it would. I think it's, it's rooting for you. I hope so. Um, so through voice work and writing work, um, have you ever come to a place where it, it solely feels like work and you're like, what is this? Like, I don't want to write this. I don't want to yes. do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, it has. And it it's done that for me when I get so, like, I get a bit, obs- like, weird. I get a bit obsessive. Like, when I'm into, like, the designing of stuff and mm-hmm. the website, you know, I just look at the clock and it's like, oh, my God, it's two in the morning and I'm still trying to get this, like, the images exactly the way I want or whatever. And it, you just, I can, you just burn yourself out after a while yeah. when you're obsessing over those details. Yeah. Um, and that's just as an example so I think for me I'll go through these great periods of creativity sure. and you're just like so vibing on something and you're just energy is just going for it and you're like you're the vision of what you want to do is right there and then I will have to watch myself because I can easily then have another thing that's like oh what about this you know it's like, <laughs> it's like the little shiny sparkly things that you're sure. following all the time yeah. within all of that Um, the burnout for me it just like it it just becomes this okay now I need I need to just have a few days of just just chilling man like just being is okay and that's a whole other learning thing for people but the beauty of what I'm doing right now means I can like I don't have to show up I don't say no I can say no yeah like and I can say you know I just need to sleep today you know, I need to catch up on just grounding myself or, you know, taking some time just to breathe it all in. Um, and, and I can do that now because I have, I make my own hours, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I think having that balance is such a huge, huge benefit of um, working for yourself and having that time. As much as you have to work your ass off, even harder sometimes. So, what does it
0: feel like—a sprint versus a marathon? Like multiple sprints. Multiple sprints. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, kind of crazy sprints. What do you feel like? Do you feel like you have like because you you juggle a lot of yeah. really cool shit?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. It feels like small sprints here and there, and then. Uh, I, but uh, I'll take midday naps. I'll 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 veg out on the couch. Yeah. Um, so. Um, It is more of a sprint than a marathon for me.
1: And it's important to do that. Like, that's awesome that you give yourself permission to do that. That's a gift in itself that a lot of people, I think, don't recognize is that if they're not pumping out something constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not doing in the act of doing. Instead, you know, to really allow themselves to be in the act of being is such a profound gift. Like, Mm You know, all these, all these. There's so many words out of these connotations and outright meanings. Like, if people put on, do um, I feel lazy if I'm not doing anything? Or mm-hmm. I feel like I, you know, I have this spare time, so I should be unloading the dishwasher or whatever shit. You know, you attach to that, and it's like it's not going anywhere. You know, and if you need to rest, you need to rest. And yeah. you're only as good to yourself as, you know, to, as, as you're gonna give to others is how much you've given to yourself to let yourself rest and
0: yeah no yeah we don't we don't oftentimes share that stuff on social media Mm -hmm. um
1: I was gonna take a video of just me snoring (laughs) right like in fact I think that I should just do a whole page of just it's called Carolyn at Rest and then you know
0: there are it's, it's, it's creepy out there but there are people that like put themselves on OnlyFans sleeping and people pay for that like, like people pay to watch. Like
1: pervy people, like the, I they don't know wanna... how
0: pervy, but like people, people pay to watch other people sleep. Like sleeping
1: porn is a thing. But, but like
0: they're fully clothed, and right, like Yeah. Yes, yeah. but they're sleeping.
1: Isn't that amazing? There's a market out there for everybody. There, there
0: is. So get weird.
1: Yeah. Get weird and make money, right? <laughs> I was thinking I could do that with my feet because a friend, a friend was talking about that. She was like, she was look, you know, she was. Being funny, and she was saying something about doing a fans-only thing about her her feet. Yeah, she's gorgeous, and she's super tall. Yeah, and so she has these. Don't like, give it away for free, right? And then I'm like, oh my god, my feet are way too gnarly for that. And like, honest to god, I mean, that would have to be a different kind of pervert who liked my feet because they're horrible. I walk around barefoot all the time, and it just kind of gross. But
0: yeah. it's very grounding.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally, literally, yeah, yeah.
0: Um. that's all I had for you. Do, do you have any questions for me? Uh, How's your time in Chicago?
1: Okay, so it is awesome. Yeah. It may become my new favorite city. First,
0: town, first time. Yeah. First time. Yeah. And it, you came because of the Bears?
1: We, we've never been to Chicago. Well, I've never been to Chicago. Okay. And my partner is like... The biggest Bears fan.
0: Oh wow! Is he from Chicago?
1: No, no. Because <laughs> they're not doing that. No, like, <laughs> we're from just north of Vancouver. I mean, the history British of Columbia. like
0: Halas and all that stuff. Oh, is, he's got is, it all. It's awesome. You
1: just like say anything, and yeah. he'll give you all the stats, all this okay. shit that's going on with the Bears now. He has all the all of it. The history. The history has been his his team since he was like in his teens. Cool. So um, yeah, we decided to catch one of their opening is it that what are oh, they called fun. yeah preseason games Preseason, thank yeah. you i don't do sports I either i know right i'm trying to get the lingo uh, uh kiss isn't that something here? yeah he's an he's an old, old yeah player. see Butkus, see i yeah. just thought i'd throw that yeah. out there because it's yeah. like right go bears <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we're gonna go we're gonna go and see a game and we would never been and yeah i just wanted to connect with you so. oh yeah it was a pleasure it's been awesome yeah
0: it's like i said it's not often um uh that someone from out of town kind of makes the time so thanks for coming through
1: you've got fans all over the world well that's the thing
0: i was gonna say like the the page is like probably bleeding in numbers in the sense of like i'm not doing what made me viral so like maybe like one maybe two videos kind of took off but uh they didn't come for the podcast like so those that stayed for the podcast thank you um but they came for me reading poetry and uh i just haven't made the time to continue reading poetry i don't read a lot of poetry so when i do stumble upon something i like i i will definitely share it but like i haven't made the time so when i first went viral it was just like oh how do i keep this up and Mm. then it's just like well do i should i be keeping it up like why did i start this to begin with so it's like realizing it's like i'm I'm doing this um
1: good for you like even in that realization that's a that's a that's the coolest part of it it's like you stop those thoughts and you're like wait a minute if being me originally just doing what I love to do got me you know that viral clip or whatever then fuck it I don't need to try and purposely manifest that I I just be me and do what I love to do
0: it was good it was fun to like internalize the feelings of like going viral and stuff like that it's like it's definitely a sprint in the sense of like it came as fast as it came, it's gone now, you know? Yeah. So it's like it, every time you would open the app, let's say it's just like inundated with numbers and like, you're no longer seeing names anymore. And, and then the numbers kind of plateau and you're like, Oh crap, what do I do now? Like right. there's a sense of panic because you
1: get into that feeling
0: and it's pretty cool. Right. And then you get inundated, um, with people that want to come on and, oh, uh, then, then you're just about like me now, right? No, you came out, you asked, you asked so after the wave ended. um, but uh, but also, like, I would love to have any, everyone come on. Like, yeah. there's a Chicagoan, um, his name is Studs Terkel, and he would interview <laughs> everyday people. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, like, trying to do something similar to that. Like I said earlier, not for the sake of extracting value, but for the sake of, like, learning and gaining an appreciation for what who people are and, like, why they do what they do. Absolutely. Um, and that comes with just having meaningful conversations with people, whether it's, like, of that have made it to people that are just every, every, what seems like everyday people. Yeah. Um, no one's above it, I guess.
1: Yeah. We all connect to everybody in some way. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, so I had to let go um, of an opportunity or maybe they let me go. Um, I, we, that we were having discussions on having a live episode at the Sears Tower. Um, and that only came because the platform grew to what it grew to. Right. But then I, I felt like I would be lying if I didn't share, because they eventually asked for numbers of like mm-hmm. engagement levels and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I, I feel like I'd be lying if I didn't share that like those numbers came from two specific posts, not from the podcast page in general. So right. I wouldn't want to promise a certain audience, uh, number of audience members to come to the Sears Tower, right. which is the, Purpose of me having a live episode there, having the audience. Um, when I don't get that level of engagement mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we
1: could make shit happen. Yeah, I got friends. I know, and you up, got friends. I know a lot of
0: people are like, we'd show <laughs> up, and I'm like, I appreciate that. We
1: would show up, but yeah. I hear what you're saying.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it just became a numbers thing, and I don't. Yeah. Uh, if if it's there for. Different reasons, I think it 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 would feel more aligned. Yeah, Um, for sure. And uh, it definitely planted the seed for like a live episode. Given these cameras don't overheat in a live episode, but um, I'd like that one day. Yeah, and
1: you and you shall receive, my friend. (laughs) You've got it. You've got the magic. Yeah.
0: So, what do you like? What else do you have a specific agenda with yours? Because with mine, like I just feel like. Because these are dual cameras for my wedding photography too, right? So I, yeah. it's multi-purpose, yeah. um, and I just—it's an excuse to talk to interesting individuals. Like,
1: well, then you have the talent in how to use them and how to set it up. YouTube University. And, <laughs> YouTube University. <I> love that. <laughs> it takes something more than that. But yeah, that's with
0: cr- time and YouTube University. So mm-hmm. like, I didn't always have these cameras. Like, it's it's such a it is a learning curve, yeah, but it like, is. it eventually plateaus a little bit and. Uh, after the overheating issues, I was like, should I upgrade these cameras? Because these mm-hmm. aren't video cameras. Um, and the video cameras, two of them, um, were going to cost 8Gs. And I'm like, I don't have 8Gs right That's now. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I'm getting married in a, in a month. So, <gasps> so uh, planning a wedding and all that stuff. And like, uh, uh, my fiance would hate me if I dropped 8Gs on two cameras. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe in the future. But at the moment, it's just like, just, it's doing. And you've made it work. Yeah. It's like, it's making it work.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And how are you feeling about uh, your upcoming.
0: The nuptials? Nuptials. Yeah. Uh, excited. Um, the friend that was on uh, a few hours ago, he's our wedding band. Oh, cool. So, and then the picture behind you, uh, we hosted a uh, a happy hour uh, on a weekday, like on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. And it was it proposed to me after I bought my wedding tux. So the guy that I bought my wedding tux came on three years ago. His name is Gao Wang from ESQ. And he his story is interesting in the sense of like he didn't like any of the fitted suits that he bought when he was in law school so he started making his own and it was that moment when i was like i will buy a suit from you one day and three years later um, buying my wedding tux and after after meeting him again he's just like would it be a good idea to have a happy hour here and and uh it was i love that full circle never would have thought something like that would have happened um and uh that's very cool people similar to a wedding people from different circles got to finally meet each other you would see each other on social media and stuff um and uh like you're just meeting kindred spirits all yeah. in the same room yeah
1: yeah that's very cool and you're you're giving everybody this reason to celebrate
0: with you yeah 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 it's, exciting. it's uh the, the friendships have been the best part that that came out of this
1: absolutely occasionally
0: yeah. there's like photo shoots here and there some like deals but like yeah the friendships are the best
1: good for you <laughs> You're creating your life, man.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and, and when I first started, like years into it, um, like my parents wouldn't ask about this. They don't listen. They don't like, mm-hmm. I don't think they know the name of the show. No. Um, and uh, it's like coming to terms with that. Yeah. But also being frustrated because my fiance's parents would, li- would listen and ask and like, how how is it going? And mm-hmm. it's just like, that's definitely possible. Like, come yeah. on, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, realizing that frustration dealing with it and doing as much as you can to put the power back in the parents hands and like yeah. let them decide if they want to do it or not but you can't force anything yeah. either
1: that's okay and, and have they started to no do you think that part of the reason why they don't is like i think with sometimes with with same in my life looking at certain people and stuff i think that there's this fear of them not having an understanding of what it is sometimes sure. what i do and so they don't they're just so entrenched in their fear of not understanding what it is not realizing that well let's be let's have some grace and just say something that just to extend yeah. your pride or whatever it is you know right. and congratulations or whatever but they're so entrenched in that. Oh, I don't feel comfortable because I don't understand what they're doing. So, I just don't get into the conversation. They might about not it. even have the
0: words right. The the, the, con- the, the language to that's what I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, ask the question. And if that
1: has just been a something habitually that has happened, I think in my experience, that's sort of what I'm just reflecting on. That that is probably one of the reasons that's, why that happens in my. That life. That is
0: most likely what it is. Um, It doesn't excuse how you, you still feel shitty. I still try to, I don't know if this is being the bigger person, but in the sense of like initiating, right? So like initiating in the sense of like, Hey, how's your weekend? I just shot a wedding or like, Hey, I just recorded a podcast episode and now you're leaving the ball in their court. Be like, well, how did the episode go? Right. How was the shoe? Right. It just like ends there.
1: Right.
0: So I I wonder if there's anything more I can do, um, more to initiate. I don't know. Um,
1: you think you'll ever be okay with them just not
0: yeah i think i think i've come to terms with that
1: have you? yeah yeah
0: and uh i think nice that's that's there. definitely the upside of like marrying s- someone not that you know this is the only reason why i'm marrying justine but like because her <laughs> because her parents have taken <laughs> an interest yeah. in me um your, like, your her, family's cool justine her, her, her parents like painted this space Oh, right so, so they're it's, very uh, supportive yeah,
1: of you yeah they're pretty cool. They're very cool. Yeah, I bet she's really cool too. Because <laughs> they created her, so she's got to be extra cool. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And you, so so you're getting it. Sometimes we don't get it from yeah. those we, we hope to but get that's, that's, it from. Right, right. We get it it's, from it's other coming places. coming to
0: terms with it might come from someone else. Yeah. And that that being said, especially as like a child of immigrants, it's like you still, like, I know a lot of children of immigrants that have made it big on YouTube, and the first thing they do is like, pay off their mortgage or buy them a car buy them the thing that they couldn't buy it for themselves or they sacrifice for their kids that theme still rings true for me like if i had the means yeah i'll pay off your mortgage or i'll buy you a home or a car or whatever sure um but uh yeah i think in not in return but like in addition to that having some level of rapport or friendship um would be nice, yeah. because you don't want to regret anything on your deathbed either, yeah. right, and death yeah. is the ultimate equalizer in the sense of like it's a wake up call for what could have been it absolutely, is. and what's the point of getting upset on someone's deathbed when you didn't spend any of this time together when they were fully capable exactly so yeah. it's just trying it's being frustrated with not using this quality time that we could yeah. have been having
1: yeah it's kind of akin to i mean it's different, but I'm just. Interjecting my life into yours, yeah, that's what that's. that's what. <laughs> it's kind of akin to just having that realization that you know I'm not going to save the dude when I'm talking to with talking about my dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He is who he is, mm-hmm. and um, I am not going to save him. But I I still can create the boundaries around how I'm affected by that. You know the the behaviors that were unhealthy that yeah. were going on around me. But it's the so it's that. Ooh, letting go of whatever your need is doesn't vote doesn't feel great you still want especially from your parents you want them to acknowledge you and my dad was so entrenched in his own illness he he never engaged in saying I'm proud of you and this is like you're what are you doing right now you're awesome like his head was way too full of his own voices to ever have a sense of who his daughter who Carolyn was you Mm. know what I mean so Mm. I hear what you're saying it's like there's that
0: I think one another way I'm trying to appease that feeling is uh um something that we never did with this e m t class when we were at the university, so we were at a university nearby for uh, since twenty thirteen and mm-hmm. it was only in two thousand twenty two when we got this location and we stepped out of the umbrella of uh University of illinois okay. um, but now we can make any decision you want as you know me and my partner are running the show. Um, and one of the things that is appeasing my feelings about my parents is, um, hosting a graduation for our students and like celebrating them for all the hard work that they kind of put into the class and their clinical time and stuff like that. Showing them that it didn't go unnoticed. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. And so you're doing it just as much for you and everybody else. I guess I'm
0: realizing that maybe right now, um, there's multiple multi, like the entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneur in me is doing it for marketing reasons. Yeah. Like if they yeah. have a good time in this class, they had a good time at graduation. Yeah. They'll just spread the which good is, word, which and, is legit. Like it's totally right? legit. Yeah. So there's definitely a few different reasons, um, or clinical partners. We, we've invited all of our clinical partners, our instructors helping like make sure they have a good time and they're appreciated for all that. Cause this class wouldn't be anything without them either. Yeah. So yeah, there's so many different reasons, but if I were to be selfish, um, I'm only realizing that right now. It's just uh, you're trying to give the attention that maybe I wish I had um, growing up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're allowed to be.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Gift, gift yourself with that. Right. You deserve it.
0: I almost didn't make it either. Uh, I, I last week realized I double booked myself, and uh, I was slated to second shoot a wedding. <laughs> I had, I got myself out of it, but, um, yeah, is is busy. Wow. Busy season. You've
1: got a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. But it's really cool to sit and talk to you and actually be here. It's a little surreal.
0: Uh, Oh, is it? Yeah. We flew
1: in last night and here (laughs) I am. And
0: when are you flying out?
1: Sunday. We have five days in Chicago. Yeah,
0: That's a good amount of time. Yeah. Do you you have every day planned or what what, what are you hoping to do and see? We have little
1: bits of things that we want to do and see and just things that we've sort of learned about and want to explore. Is it your
0: partner's first time?
1: He came here like... 17, oh, 18 years ago. Okay, been some time. For a very short amount of time, like okay. for a weekend, so his he didn't really
0: so, remember a lot of it. Sure. What do you what do you want to do? What do you want to see? What do you want to eat?
1: Well, I heard that there's like some, you guys said something about pizza?
0: Uh, <laughs> something about pizza. But here, here's the thing, like the, the tourist trap is the deep dish. Uh, it really depends on what type of pizza you're looking for. Right. And actually a lot of Chicagoans, their favorite pizza is actually Detroit pizza.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: It's uh, it's square yeah. and it has a, a cheese crown around it, uh, like frico crust around it, and then it's airy, so like it's not a thick bite, yeah. uh, but it's like probably this this thick and Holy. it's light, airy. The the um, crust is has a nice crisp to it, uh, and uh, they the one on place I'm thinking of, uh, Derek, he probably listens to every episode, um, is probably the first to do it, like do like. Uh, gluten-free really well and vegan Ooh, really well. That sounds um, good. But his uh, uh, award-winning pizza is like the U.S. pizza cup winner. So it's got like really small pizza uh, pepperoni cups in it, um, whipped ricotta, um, kind of like squirted all over on the pie, and yeah. then uh, some red sauce on top and then drizzled hot honey.
1: That sounds amazing. Um, on
0: top as well. So that's Detroit style. But then as far as like Chicago, there's like tavern cut, which is like the thin crust and then you have the deep dish, and then you have pan. Um, so, like, the middle ground between deep dish and tavern cut is probably Pequod's, Um if anyone brought that up to you guys. No, yeah, there's I'm two good. locations. There's one in the city. Um, I'm happy to give you a list um, if you're looking for any lists. But awesome. uh, pizza's one. Yeah. Like, you just na- name, like, a type of food, and... It's here. We can probably name a list. Well, yeah. I
1: know you've got great ramen. Ramen's I, good, yeah. I did watch... Uh, yeah, did he, watch he's yours. not
0: open yet, um, but uh, hopefully this fall... There are, there are like oh, more than a handful. Okay, yeah. yeah, more than a handful of ramen spots. Um, yeah. It's kind of ninety degrees out, so I don't know how, how yeah, in the yeah, mood yeah. you guys are for ramen. <laughs> um, it's a heat wave. But uh, but but I'm I'm someone who would drink hot coffee any type of the you know right, any day, yeah. so uh, I'd be right there with you. But uh, the food um, so is so ramen. Is, what else?
1: You know, what? just I mean, silly things like. I'm not high-level food. Okay. Like, Carolyn is easy to please. You, so, like, even the hot dogs, I heard you have amazing hot dogs. Yeah. I want to try the frickin' hot dogs. Oh, like, okay. Like, you know? Like, I'm not highbrow in well, a lot of ways. I'm uh, just, like, I, I love yeah. good food. I love people who... I love going to the places as much as I love the food that they're well, preparing. Like Costco
0: a, has great hot dogs. Right? Home, For Home like Depot a has 50.
1: great... <laughs> Like, where are you getting a whole meal for a fucking dollar fifty or whatever dogs, it is in yeah. the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I
0: know. Yeah, we're like, not above it.
1: I have actually, like, planned out my whole life. Like, if I lost everything, how could I survive by just, like, hiding in a Costco? And it would be, you know, okay, if I had enough to have, like, at least one meal, like, the hot dollar fifty meal, and then you go and you get all the samples, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: Dane- yeah. Dane Cook had a movie called Employee of the Month, and it was in, like, a Sam's Club or Costco, and they made a clubhouse up on, like, the second or third Seriously? shelf. They okay. Would, yeah, so as an employee there, they would, like, remove the front first half that people would see and then build out, like, a, a rug, furniture, lamps stuff. Oh, my God, that's stuff, hilarious. Like little, yeah, a little yeah. hangout area.
1: Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> you just explained my dream. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So we're going to explore. We'll About-
0: have fun the river tour are you doing a tour of the um river?
1: yeah i want to do a tour of the river and i heard that there's a, a tour that involves the architecture and an explanation yeah. of the yeah. Arch- yeah so
0: there's yeah it's, it's a little confusing there's like a handful of boat companies uh when you just get down there on the river walk to choose from um but ask you know you'll find like the architecture one down there and very cool yeah can't go wrong it's like it's even as a chicagoan it's so easy to be a tourist in your own city
1: oh i bet i bet that's one thing that when you're living in a city sometimes you just forget to do is yeah. to experience those things any right?
0: museums
1: haven't even thought about that Man. yet. Like what? What, what even suggest? avenue
0: from museum of science and industry, field museum, shed aquarium? You've got a,
1: an architectural museum here. Uh, don't
0: you, we we do. Something? I think it's on the Riverwalk. Um, there's also a Chicago History Museum. Oh, yeah, that's that in would Lincoln be cool. Park. There's a free zoo, Lincoln Park Zoo. Wow. Um, we don't yeah. have
1: enough time. We got it like I'm officially a, like extending of my flight time because yeah. <laughs> like if
0: you like cocktails, like there's nice cocktail bars, um, rooftop bars. It's like rooftop London season. House. I heard London is House place is nice. Yeah, it's a good good view of the, the river. Yeah, yeah, it looks west. So um, we haven't done that. What else? Are you staying downtown?
1: Yeah, we're okay right downtown. Oh, good on Illinois and state, oh, you're up by Navy Pier. Like yeah, that. right by Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: uh, Robert's pizza down there is pretty good. That's oh. like you can sit next to the the river over there. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. It's uh it's like Neapolitan pizza. Nice. Um yeah, I was just at a place called Spacanapoli uh last night's Neapolitan pizza. You can like kill your own cool. pizza.
1: Cool. Kill your own pizza.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, just let me know what you guys if you don't have an itinerary like a huge itinerary plan like oh, i'd love to, to pick your brain about we'll get some yeah anything. if we think of something that we're like i oh. think that's what you realize about what i realize about myself is just like being a connector and like sharing what i enjoy and if if you happen to enjoy it great you know yeah. no expectations but yeah. it's just like yeah it's, it's giving fun.
1: people the opportunity to try and see if i think like so it. yeah yeah that's very cool <laughs> this has been awesome thank you so much
0: yeah thanks for coming on It was a pleasure meeting you yeah,
1: it's great I'll come back to Chicago and we'll just do it anytime Yeah, we're going to make it an annual catch thing Victor
0: <laughs> catch us up um, okay guys well, let's uh, w- oh where can people find you if you want to be found
1: <laughs> if I want to be found Some exactly people don't be found. I know the underground <laughs> um, I have my website is com um and the uh the podcast is finding 50 and we are on spotify and youtube and apple podcasts and all those things so yeah
0: i didn't get my videos on spotify how'd you do that that's pretty cool straight from riverside or yeah yeah. they
1: uploaded they immediately automatically that's cool yeah so i
0: I don't know how the magic happens but it's science (laughs) (laughs) all right well you heard it here guys uh till next time stay curious